Hello and welcome to episode one of the Smashing Skull Sessions. I'm Richie, your host, and this podcast sets out to interview international bands and artists in the metal community. The show will also promote the Irish metal scene to the guests so they'll have a better insight into Irish metal. Episode one features Flower KC, manager of Underside and festival director of the Silence Festival in Nepal and Avishek KC, vocalist with Underside. In 2015, an earthquake hit Nepal. 10,000 people died, 22,000 people were injured, and 100,000 were left homeless. Flower and Avishek were in London when the disaster struck. They immediately tried to raise money for the Nepal tragedy. Their efforts culminated in Metal for Nepal, which brings together the global metal and art community to help provide relief and support to impoverished communities across Nepal to address any or all humanitarian crises, such as natural disasters or disease outbreaks. Enjoy the episode and shout out to Joe from Gamma Bomb, who was my co-host. Hello everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Joe from Gamma Bomb. Hello, hello. How are Joe? Flower, how are you, man? All good, Richie. It's over in London and we have, I'm going to call you Casey, is that all right? Yeah, that's <laughs> great. have so many names. And you're actually over, what, what country are you in, Casey, at the moment? I am Nepal right now. You're in Nepal. I'm in moment. a small valley in Nepal called Pokhara. Namaste, everyone. Cool. So you have an interesting story and um, I want to give a shout out to Sean from 10 Ton Slug who put me in touch with Flower and Metal for Nepal. First of all, Flower, fill us in on your background and then maybe Casey can help you along with it as well. Sure, 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 sure. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. And thank you, Sean, as well for putting me in touch with you. Um, it's like blowing your own trumpet, right? So you just don't even know where to begin from, right? So I'm Flower. I um, I am the director for Metal for Nepal. It's just basically a, a non-profit initiative that we have started as a as a band. But then before I go into Metal for Nepal, I guess I have to go further back. So um, I manage on the side, so uh, which obviously is the vocalist. And uh, we've been doing this for uh, almost nine years now. So it's a 10th year running. And uh, yeah, so we, 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 we just had a band and, you know, we just wanted to have fun, play music and, you know, be able to tour the world, I guess. And uh, because of that, uh, we get in touch with quite a few people. Uh, why do I see Abhishek face so big on my screen? It's quite distracting, actually. <laughs> don't look at my face then, man. Look. He's on Zoom. I don't know. Okay, now it's all right. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's too creepy to have his face right in front of me. You know, it's like I'm giving him the real estate or something, no, man. Not. But yeah, so, you know, I, I uh, manage on the side. Uh, and also through the same... Went to grab my drink. You like. Um, you know, we, we do a metal festival in Nepal called uh, Silence Festival. And uh, we've been doing this for, uh, this is the 10th the year of the festival actually. So uh, more or less, we're just a band and we had a festival that we did in Nepal. Uh, the idea was to bring international artists over to Nepal uh, so that the, the local bands uh, from Kathmandu or from, from Nepali metal scene would have uh, you know, an opportunity to showcase their music with some other artists they love. So that's what we were doing 
uh, up until now. And um, recently, due to this pandemic, uh, of course, like, you know, the world has been quite a different uh, place for everybody. And especially for a country like Nepal, uh, the situation is pretty uh, fucked up, to say the least. Uh, you know, a lot of people are suffering and, you know, so me, Abhishek, we just kind of thought about like, you know, how we could use our, uh, so to speak, like a platform that we've created over the, you know, last 10 years and see if maybe we can uh, use like our, you know, music and then the platforms to do something good for the humanity. And so how that's how the, the idea of Metal for Nepal came in play. And through this, it's basically trying to, um, um, connect with all the artists that we've come to know over the uh, past 10 years and uh, you know trying to see if we can really make some differences in people's life so that's what we're doing uh, up until now and uh, Metal for Nepal is a, a ongoing project where um, the mission is not complete yet so simply because of the problem is ongoing and there's still a lot lot more happening in Nepal you know does that kind of give you yeah, that's uh, a, that's a, a nice overview yeah, yeah um, okay cool have you heard of metal for nepal joe before yeah um a friend of well a friend of our singer philly burns alex alex milas is kind of friends oh with, wow uh, yeah he's a good friend yeah i think i think you guys know each other pretty well so mm -hmm. he's kind of kept us in touch um just basically, we, we've always had an interest in trying to play in different places and we've always talked to Alex about it. And it, it was one of the things he mentioned was, oh, yeah, there's this thing's been going on in Nepal for years. Because I know in, outside of the metal scene, there's all going back to the 90s, there's been quite a history of rock music and stuff being involved in charitable yeah. things for Nepal and stuff. So really, really cool that you guys have been doing it for 10 years now, though, you know. Amazing. Yeah. And Abhishek, as a singer of Underside, how did you get into metal? How did I get into metal? Yeah, I think uh, Kathmandu, that's the capital of Nepal. That's where the city I grew up. It was, I think it has a rock and roll swing to the city, the whole city. It's like <laughs> a tourist place. It, it's a place where the hippies came. And so it's like, okay. generally, kids of my generation were more inclined towards that shit like not like the kid now it's totally changed it's fucked up now everything's like gone sideways but in that yeah. time you know it was there were like a lot of stoners and like hippies all around and that's what you see in people with guitar peace and love you could still see the remnants of all that age going on when i was growing up so mm. and we had like tons of bar going around and you could hear you were so connected to the live music yeah. And probably if you come to Kathmandu or Pokhara, the, even the city, I mean, it's a small, beautiful lake city. It's a very tourist place. You will see bands playing Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, or like any old rock or like The Doors or whatever. Mm. Every night there are like 50 or 100 bands playing that music. Mm. So I think like a lot of kids, we uh, from our generation, people would naturally incline to, everyone knows how to play a little bit of guitar. Everyone knows how to play. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and I just got in a little too deep you know like it's just like found my way that was my thing that was my i loved music i always loved singing i remember i used to sing to my mom and she used to ask me to sing i used to sing like tv commercials and whatever i used to hear yeah so i i always loved doing that stuff the voice i i like playing around with the voice mm -hmm. and then i kept on changing bands he was also the manager for our old band called the equals that was before underside 
and we won this battle of band competition like a movie kind of thing happened and we got to go to london to play a gig and then we lost <laughs> like wow. we like all over the place but yeah he had just moved to england london back then he was there for what two months and we show up yeah like one bedroom and like nine guys sleeping in one bedroom and like that was a trip yeah and we stayed there for like two months <laughs> until i visited to her. yeah and then like, so yeah, many but, great um, bands came out of Battle of the Bands. It's a great idea, isn't it? China won, dude, at that time. It was like a glam metal band from China won, like <laughs> glam rock band from China won, and we were so devastated. We were like, I can't fucking believe it, but it's, yeah. it was okay. And yeah, and it's just like kept on. I just kept on doing my thing. We've been friends, and he has been taking the band to places that we could have never gone without Flower because he stays there, he works and he, because it's very inaccessible for bands like us to get to that scene for anyone to notice us. Like why would mm. they bother notice the same kind of music is playing by every band in England or like anyone band next door. So, you know, until you have something exotic, uh, but yeah, Flower is doing his part and here we are. Yeah, so that's, it's great. I mean, Joe, he came out of Ireland as well when not many bands or it were coming out really. Uh, yeah, I suppose. But like, I guess the the whole battle of the bands thing can help bands a lot. But I I'm not a massive believer in it just generally. That you know things like the bloodstock battle for the bands. I think it's cool and stuff to get bands out there. But sometimes I think bands rely too much on those kind of competitions to get Ooh, a leg yeah. up. You know, this is how we're going to get to bloodstock. You know, where it's a much better idea to go and play in front of five people you know in, in some little town somewhere and do it that way you know yeah i was gonna ask you flower um what's what's the kind of every country has a different kind of government relationship with you know heavy metal you know when a band from finland comes to play in ireland the finnish government will contact the promoter and see if they can help and you know at the other end of the spectrum there's some governments that really don't support heavy metal at all you know mm -hmm. so what's what's the situation in nepal then Oh yeah, um, I think obviously I can tell you way more with his personal experiences about this than I can do. But but uh, yeah, but more or less, do, yeah, it's the same thing, right? More, more or less, hate, I, I, yeah. like, to be very honest and blunt. Yeah, they, they, we are not the we are not their favorite apple from the tree. That's for sure. You know, um, uh, I think um, the, the society is pretty. Um, unaware you know it's not like they've seen it all and they hate you for what you are you know i think it, i think they haven't explored you enough in, in that regard to make any sort of uh idea about what we are and what not but um on a, on a on a basic level i would say most of the man like you know the government the administrations would see us as a nuisance and if anything a very bad western impact of the western yeah. civilizations that is kind of really that is literally in a way that's how it would be seen as even growing up man like you know i would uh, i would go to like even uh, when you go to your your friend's house and then you know even your friend's mom don't think good of you because you have a long hair you know it's kind of completely yeah. ingrained in their in their head like they would be like you don't hang out with him yeah, with that guy here yeah. right it's simply because i was always know, that guy like yeah, we've always been that guy for a lot of 
but but imagine this joe like i get what you ask and that's a beautiful thing like i see these french bands being supported by the government now that we've toured a little bit and uh these swiss guys they have projects and like everyone's getting like fundings and stuff here it's like i think it's way too primitive you know what i mean as a imagine yeah. not not very far long ago like four years ago we were having 18 hours of power cut off in a day in the fucking capital can you believe that yes. and that was done so that was done by a group of people selling the electricity to the companies and across the oh. borders that was the part of corruption they kept the whole country in darkness for almost five years and five they had years like, all, yeah dude that was five years yeah so 18 hours a day the, so right now in rainy season it would be about seven eight hours which is normal but in the dry season we could go up to 18 hours Jesus. so people who don't even have a choice to listen to a radio or a tv how would they separate a genre of music like heavy metal you know what i mean like poverty and like it goes back to metal for nepal that kind of stuff is still very basic here so like when they see us they freak out you know even in the villages they will freak out and in the cities there's still the social stigmas are still there and there is no fucking way. The only thing government would want to do when they see a metal show is to stop it. Wow. On the right. spot. Like, I've been taken out of stage. I've held bars, taken off by riot police. Like, we've faced it, everything. Yeah. Does that mean, like, there was curfews imposed as well? Yeah, they do. Oh, my God. We grew up with curfews. So many curfews, dude. Because the civil war was going on. Even, yeah, I mean, now it's a different curfew because of the pandemic. But... They used to have all that. They used to cut your hair. If they see a guy with a hair in the state, in the middle of the street, they catch you and like cut your cut your hair. They generally used to assume yeah you're a drug addict or you're someone, and they would protest like not long ago. How long did that continue till? That, oh, that like... continued forever, like until a few years back. And then the one guy came and like everyone loves him. He fixed the electricity problem in one month. We found out that they were selling the electricity to all the companies making giant companies sucking it and people staying in dark. It was all bullshit, man. And like, like I said, in the cops, every, everyone is, we wrote a song about that. Like I, there's a song called wild. I don't know if you've seen the music video for that song. We have a song called wild. It's about a politician, a monk, a policeman and, uh, and on a local goon. So that is pretty much the story of Nepal. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, and of course, there's a lot of cultures and ethnic groups as oh, well. There, there, there are a lot through. of beautiful stuff. Yeah, definitely, you would love it. But if you're asking about the government stuff, that's the truth. Yeah. Does it mean then we'll say for kids in Nepal now looking up to underside to see your success? Do you think there's a lot of uh, younger bands now coming through, trying to push out of the scene and get themselves heard elsewhere? Oh, I of hope. course. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, because there was no one for us to all the bands we looked up to were all the bands from all over the world. Like we never felt like it was because we didn't have anything going really anything being exported from the country. Right. Mm. So, yeah, to a certain extent, I believe we've achieved a little bit like we've broken out of the shell, you know, it's yeah. it, it tough. It still is. But yeah, I, I'm sure there are a lot of bands who are who can follow our path, you know, and learn that took us to learn 10 years, mm. like a business, like in UK, if a band goes out, you know, you have to get a PR, you know, you have to do this, a photo shoot, and you have to get a package out and ready your band stuff. For us, it took us like fucking, oh shit, you need to do that shit for like eight years to figure that out. 
So now bands can try and understand that from us, like at least if not get inspired by the music and all, but at least they can follow away and do their own thing. Mm. Yeah. I think that's that's happening to a degree though, right? Like uh, if, if you're in a scene and there's nothing to look forward to, uh, yeah. they, you know, nobody's gonna read, it, it kind of almost becomes like a hobby, you know? And I think that's what was the scene like in Nepal for, for quite some time, you know, people will form a band and they, they finish their, you know, air labels or whatever, and then the band will split and the new band will be formed. And it was just like a cycle of this, the same thing. And nobody kind of really saw this in the angle of like, oh, maybe you could, you could, you could break through or you could, you know, do this full time and, you know, make this as a career. I don't think anybody kind of yeah, dared uh, that kind of thing in Nepal. We are a country that exports human yeah. workers, right? So we, 55, almost 5 million of our youth, they uh, work in the Gulf countries, uh, in the mines and all that stuff. And, uh, and a little bit of people who are privileged like us, to be honest, the middle-class people who are able to get access to everything else. Mm -hmm. They all move out to either US, Europe or something. Yeah. And there's really not many people left here and no one actually gets, because they have to choose a way. So even I've seen such talented people and they just needed to break up because they had to go to college or whatever, you know, and like, like yeah. there you do it there and do the band as well, but there they split up and then they never find their groove or their, the, the right person. And that's how so many bands have broken up as well. That was, a but I problem. guess, you know, Bob on that one, like, I guess the, 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 the point that where people were not willing to take uh, such risk would be yeah. simply because they haven't seen anybody doing that, you know. So I, I sincerely believe, like over over the ten years, uh, uh, at least when few bands are getting into the practice room in Kathmandu, I think they have that that sense of that oh. like oh direction, you know. At least oh that can be done, you know. Yeah. Whereas I think when we were doing, we're just like having fun, you know. We didn't have like any sort of like uh, oh you know you can, can you really do that sort of thing, you know. But uh, uh, it has happened, you know, and even with the Silence Festival, every time, uh, you know, you, you get to see this overwhelming number of bands True. coming out from the scene, you know, requesting yeah. to be part of the festival. So it, 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 it has happened, you know, uh, it, it's just like a yeah. natural thing to happen, I guess, to have some influences over a new band. And you get to see bands and that makes such a big difference when you get yeah. to see bands. Like the first band uh, yeah, I, of course. Got see, I got to see was when I was 21 and that was Slayer with you, remember, in England. That yeah. was my First yeah. ever yeah. show, really watching a band that I go to a show, go to a scare yeah. show, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was our first. Like, it was like a small, fucking awesome show with like a thousand people or something, and like, dude, it was insane. And imagine I had never seen these bands, but I read all the interviews, I read, seen all the doc, I know everything about them, like what kind of food they love or what kind of <laughs> everything. I would like worship all, but I've never gotten to see them, you know. Yeah. So I, Silence Festival, like we are bringing, I think that will give them a big inspiration, kids to be able to see that live and be like, for me, that was a big, big through yeah. I love these bands like Tool or Slipknot. The only time I got to see them was in Download last year when I was playing. I had yeah. never seen them before because there's no way in hell I could afford to go see them somewhere else or they would ever come into my region. Where would, where would the closest place be then, Cassie, if you guys were at home, like Japan, Iron Maiden would play in India? They came to India, but still it would cost you quite a bunch of money. You don't want to go alone. You would need at least a friend to go there. Yeah. And uh, you have to get flights, a few hundred dollars. You have to go stay. 
so it's going to cost you easily seven, eight hundred dollars to do the whole thing. And like the whole per capita income is a thousand dollars. I was going to say, even is it basically for uh, for a lot of bands and fans there? It's it's cheaper to come to the west than it would be to go east. Like to say, if you want to go to see bands in Australia or Japan or you know some other place like that, you know. So did you mean for the bands or for for the people? Uh, for either, because it seems to be like a, a lot of countries. What happens is it, it's only the kind of set some middle class luckier people who are able to go and see bands because they never come anywhere nearby. So I'm just yeah, thinking, yeah. Is it, it's is it more or less the same, right? That? Yeah. yeah, it is. I I went to see Metallica once. Metallica came to Delhi, so I was like, I'm a big Metallica fan, and like I was like, fuck yeah, Metallica, this is the closest they're gonna come. It was like a big festival. I took my sister with me, because it's one of those festivals where it's a brother and sister thing that I'm like, we gotta go to a Metallica show this year for the festival. So we yeah. went there, and the gig got fucking cancelled, man, because like ah. Metallica did not come out, and I don't blame them. Like, they oversold the place. Fucking people in Delhi. This oversold the place by ten thousand tickets or something. Jesus. That's kind of shit. That I yeah. was so pissed. And I saw Metallica for the first time in two thousand nineteen last year. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. We have a festival here in Limerick called the Siege of Limerick. Okay, and it promotes and gets in. Basically, there's a lot of people come in um, mm -hmm. that wouldn't normally visit Limerick, and there's a great vibe over. We'll say two days. Um, I'd imagine with the Silence Festival, um, you can use that to kind of promote art and tourism as well. Oh, ab yeah. absolutely, man. That's, that's one of the things, uh, at least it has been in our head uh, when, when we talk about Silence, because it does, you know, uh, promote just like tourism in Nepal, not just be in Kathmandu, but beyond, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, was it... Correct me Bobby, if I'm wrong, but wasn't it like textures when they played? They they, they finished the show and then the, the vocalist or somebody came with the family and they went up in the mountains for the trekking or something, right? Yeah, yeah, textures, yeah, textures. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so you, you know, like, you know the singer's um, whole family came down. Yeah. So, so. I. <laughs> so there's that benefit to it as well that like you can actually say, listen, we are actually bringing people in. Why don't we get more funding for it? You know. We, I tried to do that this year, remember? I, I tried working with the tourist, tourism board this year. I went for meetings, I met the government people. This was the first time, so there is a organization called Nepal Tourism Board. Okay. Their main thing is to bring in tourists, and I went and I talked and I talked and I talked and I brought did the whole prospect, I did the presentation and everything. And they seemed pretty keen on it, but like when it came to money, they were like, oh, you know, I think we can do it next year. And this year we can give you like a flyer space somewhere up there, like, like a billboard. And they're like, okay, give the billboard. Oh God. That's so hard, lads. You know, yeah. the thing, was it, was it, was it maybe 2016, 17 or even later, but, but uh, one of my friends got in touch with me and said like, oh, you know, in, uh, in Nepal now, you can actually email directly to the minister. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know, you can talk to this uh, tourism minister. Apparently he's very young and very dynamic. And then he, he, he wants to, you know, like listen to the people. So I was like, I, I, I think I've got a couple of things to ask him, right? So I was like, I'm going to write to him. So I wrote a long ass later to him explaining exactly the thing you mentioned rich you know about like it's not just a we, we want to you know 
have fun with this music, but it kind of has more implications. It can bring a very different breed of people to Nepal who, you know, who may not necessarily be interested in Nepal if it wasn't for the band they love to see, you know, and the point of like, you know, the band and themselves staying there and all the rest of it. Nobody got back to me. Right. But then died in the helicopter. And then sadly, the the minister apparently died in a helicopter uh, crash recently as well. Rest in peace. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, but I wasn't expecting much of a response anyway, but I was like, oh, l- let me give it a try. If somebody's saying I have an email address, you can get in touch. Uh, it hasn't happened. Um, and in, in, in terms of when you're saying about maybe they can help at, at, at times, like uh, the the problem with the administrations would be so intense. Like uh, we would be lucky if we had no police interventions in the festival, because most of the time um, they will just walk in like, literally like goons you know walk in shut this down in five minutes they will you know shut down the whole festival and you know they will literally be yeah you physically push you like i think wasn't it 12 foot ninja who got physically pushed out of the stage while they were playing yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right Jesus. so yeah, ninja and uh <clears throat> also they had to like cut short i'm like pretty much uh, i remember when textures were playing me and another guy, bass player from this another band, we were holding the barricade for the sound guy, and the cop was kicking it in, trying to get to the sound. He's like, shut it, like, bundabar. That means like, stop it, stop it, shut the fucking sound. And he had already turned it off. The guy was so scared, everyone would be, sound engineer, Texas, he turned it off. But the monitor, the stage sound was still on. So you thought he was still on. So he was still kicking out, like, it's ours, what I call it. Yeah, shit like that happens. Jesus, so, that's insane, yeah. Joe Hunter. For, for us, last yeah. year was the first time it, nothing happened. Last year was testament, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have a lovely story, Avishek, there that your drummer couldn't uh, play, and someone stepped in. Is that true? That is true. Okay, yeah. tell tell the story to the listeners. I'd rather hear so, from you. <laughs> uh, so it's festival we're organizing. We're playing, and uh, my drummer he he lives in North India. And uh, there was a civil unrest going there. There was intense curfew, and there were like people were shot, and it was it was crazy fires. And it was it was, and he was trying nonstop to come there so to arrive in Kathmandu for like the last few days. So all the flights were getting canceled, all the ways to get in were getting canceled, and and in the, we were still trying till the morning of the festival. So it was like we don't need to practice; we'll just jump on and play. It's testament. We gotta play. We it's our festival. We have to at least do this we haven't and we hadn't played home in a while we had released and we we're like we had saved this up for the festival so we thought we could sell more tickets because our fan would be like okay we're gonna see them in the festival as well and there was like shit the spanish feeling and he's not gonna make it we already knew it and then this guy there so they were talking so he was talking he was sitting with the team and he was like shit and one of the drum tech was like it's sad these dudes complete you know it sucks and like then the man goes like yeah, I can play, right? Flower, you know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was pretty true. He was yeah. actually, then he walks me up and like, all right, Genie's going to play the song. Play, 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 play. Send me the song. I'm like, what? It's late in the night and he's like, Genie's, yeah, Gene fucking Ogle and he's going to play. Hey, like, wow, cool. <laughs> and then like, yeah. song, I'm like, I'm out, man. I don't have the songs, you know? So like, get the songs. And so we... We call everyone, send it, and by that time, Gene is already asleep. So you get the songs in the morning, 
So yeah, and apparently on the, day, yeah. on the day of the show, apparently he sleeps and he was like, "How many songs do you want to do?" And we're like, "I think we can do four. No, no, we can do all eight. Like, I think we're good with four, you know, since we have like two hours to go." He's just listening to them and he's like, and then we just sat down. I have a video of that. Some of the way we're just going like this. It's just, that was the only practice we had in the jam room before going on stage. And we just went on and played with Gene fucking Hogan, man. Yeah, and that was cool. And that's a measure yeah. of the man that he'd be, he's, be prepared to do that. Fuck. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking oh, sweet. He was, yeah, he was nice guy. He didn't talk much. And I was like, yeah. And he came in at last, but he was, it was insanely kind of him to do that for come and step in incredible what are the main challenges for running a a festival like silence festival obviously you have a budget and then you know when you get in a, say bigger bands like behemoth and cancer bats as well does that budget get pushed out more or? definitely yeah it, it 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 depends right so uh mostly uh, as as a from an organizer perspective, right? Either you have a lot of, um, you know, investment, so you know you can pick a band and you know buy buy the band based on you know their rates with their agents and whatnot. And there, um, sadly, we don't fall on that one. So you know, well, our approach has always been about because of on the side as well. Um, uh, one of the things that has worked in our favor is because we we get to meet a lot of you know uh, people from the industries, bands, and artists and. Um, it's been, it feels like yesterday, but it's been almost 10 years now, you know, and in 10 years, um, looking back, we, we feel like we've kind of got to know quite a few number of people, you know, especially with the music bands and stuff like that. So uh, we try and keep it within our like uh, reach, you know, like instead of going really big, you know, like, you know, if I know and I'll, I'll, I'll tell a friend and he will tell another friend and and what it does, uh, in my experience, has been it, it draws a, a very organic kind of band as well. You know, the band would just want to go and play yeah. uh, for X amount of fee, probably wouldn't be as much as interested as, you know, what Joe was saying earlier. You know, somebody would be like, oh, Middle Festival in Nepal. Oh, fuck, that sounds interesting already, right? And then when they come to me, I think uh, the the fee, the logistics of it almost becomes secondary, if you know what I mean, like because their desire to play in Nepal is so intense. So some people, like some of the time, like for example, dudes from Kansbad, absolutely amazing people. And they were just so stoked to be playing in Kathmandu. They were just like, we don't care. We just want to come and play. So that kind of goes hand in hand with, with our mm. approach, which uh, helps us to um, not be so extra spending kind of festival and the other reason where we, we have to be also very mindful in nepal is uh the, the kids who go to watch our like festivals most of them like didn't work so they all are into colleges or they're studying students and stuff like that so um we can't move you know like for example if i were to bring metallica for for next editions it doesn't make sense for us to be like okay now we're gonna pay so much more to metallica so we're gonna you know double the ticket price or something like that because it has yeah. to be almost like we know what not to push you know what is what is the the limit because it doesn't make sense for uh us to have ticket price so high that the kids cannot go to the show it kind of almost undermines the whole reason why we're doing it in the first place right so that's where it kind of 
it, it is like kind of a very tricky situation, you know. I would love to have more bigger bands. Sometimes we get a lot of requests from the fans in, in, in Nepal saying, like, oh, why don't you get this band and yeah. that band? But they don't understand the implications, you know. So, so far for us, uh, the biggest challenge has been, of course, um, dealing with the the government, you know, the system. So it is kind of slowly changing. So I, I, I hope it continues to be the same. The second factor would be, of course, financial side of it. So um, even in neighboring India, you know, you get to see a lot of sponsorship for a metal festival. Um, even that is like dying out. I think like even India is, yeah. India is suffering. Yeah, two sides to but, it. But we are one, basically on worse than India are... in, in, in sponsorship as well. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, that we is true. We, we hardly get any sponsors. So uh, that yeah. kind of puts in a difficult situation. Then we also have to consider the people who are our uh, audience, right? And they, um, I know for a fact, like there are certain things that, you know, we can't push more further than that. So That's it's true. a mix of everything. So it's have to like really... Um, carefully calculate the whole thing to make it a success. So, so uh, you know, it doesn't matter like how carefully years. you calculate it; it's still gonna not gonna work. Yeah, like, I was it's like flower faces challenges on his side, and we face like our challenges on our, our side. Because like there's two sides to this thing. He has to work from there. We have to work from here. So yeah, it's it's it. So it, it, it ends way, up right? really, really hard in the end. Is there, is there any advantage to, you know, in India, you start seeing more bands coming to India? Mm -hmm. Like, is it easy to bring a band from India yeah. to Nepal? Or is there a thing where, you know, because I know that sometimes governments are less willing to give a, a visa to somebody if they're coming from a neighboring country, right? It's not like that for us. We have done that in the past, actually. We, we did yeah. share uh, 12 foot ninja, 12 foot ninja. With, uh, yeah. our friends in India and stuff like that. But you see the problem, what happens is it's, all, it's also about the date, you know, like here, um, you know, I, I can go to, I don't know, Underworld Camden and Cancer Bats are playing Tuesday night, whatever, and you're still sold yeah. out, right? Like it doesn't matter the day. Whereas in Nepal, you know, if I put the same festival uh, on I don't know weekdays like it, it's not practical at all so it has to be the Saturday and then sometimes even yeah. when we try and share artists with India they share pretty much the same sort of bill saying that we need the proper date right so they want to have it on Saturday as well so it, it, it kind of this kind of conflict uh, that but you know going back to what I was saying earlier um, all the all of this has happened in the last 10 years we've dragged it one way or the other it has never been about uh, making profit or we've never seen it as a business and as a matter of fact like even if we were to see it as a business we haven't made uh, one single penny out of the festivals yeah. if anything every year we lose money religiously like we all we, it's, I think our conversation is how much did we lose this time you know mm -hmm. so our battle is how to kind of minimize That's what I was saying. The, okay. the, the thing yeah. so it is just purely because you see one of the things that has happened um, for us with the blessing of uh, how things have turned out to be for underside is it's to get to see the world outside right we get to see the bands we get to see all that and sometimes it feels like almost at least for me from where i stand like when i send the band like on the side back home um what they've seen out just stays with them you know what i mean and then how many they're not going to hang out with every little band in, in Kathmandu, right so and i kind of feel like they need to see that right so the only glimpse i can perhaps like give these other bands in Nepal is to do a festival where you invite these bands over. And sometimes, you know, you, and, and I'm pretty uh, confident, like most of the bands who played our festival, um, 
pretty much every band is super rad. You know, every band is pretty decent in their own way. So when they go and the kids see them playing, um, I, I think, um, you know, it inspires them in a way. What so, is the capacity of it, Flower? And how much do you charge per person through the door? It, it depends, right? Uh, we, we, always, we always have this... Um, uh, hidden miss game about like what is the capacity of metal scene forget about the festival we say like well, how big is our scene you know and mm. it, that's that we always fight we over argue. it <laughs> we fight over it so it's much hard me. no idea because it's, it's so hard so right because, um, the ticket price as well for example just so people will know we'll say take testament now last year They're, they were probably the biggest band you've ever got in yeah um, so yeah. how much was the ticket price and how many people roughly i think it was about 15 pounds Fifteen pounds. Okay, to see. Yeah, uh, for the festival, and uh, there were about eighteen hundred people, I oh, guess. It's it's not that big then. You know, As it's in, not that big. the capacity yeah, we have more wise. people get in, and there were two stages, uh, and uh, we had bands from seven countries. I think so. Yeah, yeah. it's a bargain. You know what I mean? It like is. we have, it is, and we have two stages, and uh, almost Wait, like with twelve bands. See it from this point of view, right? Because um, last year we had uh, 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 one of journalists from the Guardian, and uh, who wanted to see, you know, how we, you know, what's like in Nepal and whatnot. And later on, when when I had a chat with him, something uh, what he said, well, I, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, he was like, "Flower, it's so cool because." Uh, you know, it's like two stages are so close within one close proximity, and then you you finish one sh show, you literally walk two minutes, and then you see another band, and then that kind of fluidity yeah. um, does not happen when you are in download. Because and I was like thinking my experience in download last year, and like uh, you are exhausted most of the time, yeah. right? Like it's so massive, and you you know there's like a lot going on. Whereas uh, in silence, it's almost like a oh, going into a cinema you know you walk in you sit down movie is on and then you will only walk out when the movie is over and it's like pretty intense yeah. you watch everything uh, you watch all the bands and you watch every yeah. band that's the thing about nepal right even every for me band. like you know when i go there i'm like this is fun it, it kind of it's not even it it forces you to do so but it just the vibe kind of makes you feel like that's all that's happening around you right and it's a one day of music yeah that's so you know uh people like to kind of come and chill that. but well, but again, the, 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 the debate about how big Nepali metal scene is, um, um, <laughs> we, 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 this is the thing we try. We, we, we sometimes, when we pick the headliners, we try that, you know, and sometimes, but yeah, of course, I don't want to disclose the name of the band, but then he has his own theory where uh, Abhishek thinks um, if uh, we were to book that X band, um, he thinks there's going to be 10,000 people. Uh, Not 10, I didn't see. say 10, I said five. Five. Okay. All right. Okay. So it's negotiating now, right? Like, but all right. So, Come yeah, on. We've got this. Then. <laughs> we've My got guests this are usually right, guys. <laughs> By so, the way. Yeah. So the only way yeah, we fight to find it. out is to bring more bands in and then see, you know, like, okay, how many people yeah. are turning up? So um, <laughs> we'll go with that theory that you'll get in a bigger band. Can you expand the stage? Have you got that room in that? It's like a town square, really, is it? Is there, yeah, right. you can get in more square. capacity. It's, it's, uh, private. We need to change the venue, but you see the the other thing yeah, also, I'll, I'll kind of try and do it like fast. So what has happened, right? So last a uh, couple of years back, government bought this new bill apparently uh, where 
you're not supposed to advertise anything to do with the alcohol and, and tobacco or something like that, Pretty right? Pretty much, we can't use any public venues. Metal shows yeah, can't so use any public because, venues. Because uh, what they were saying... Lot, so we're right, so our sponsors was, uh, was, it, was it Tuberg and... Tuberg uh, and Rocker, right? Yeah, Vodka, So, yeah. of only course, sponsor. like, you know, they are the only two prime sponsors. That would sponsor anything. You're doing a show in a public place. And then they are not supposed to put their banners on or their advertise their brand at all so it doesn't work like that right so just to work around it this year the one you saw uh, rich that was done at a uh, car park of a, of a private property basically so we literally put a festival in a car park last year to go around the government but they okay. still have the sponsors on board you know yeah so in, in answer to your questions of if you were to get a bigger band, there are a lot of bigger venues. Like, of course, we can we can go and change, yeah. you know, venue depending on the bands. And of course, you know, if, if the sponsors are still willing yeah. to. Mm. We did look into it as well. Joe, you've, you've played loads of festivals. Um, would something like Nepal appeal to you? Yeah, I think that the, it, it's always kind of difficult to tell how much of an audience there is for something like, you know, newer thrash bands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, in a country where they haven't seen a lot of the classic bands, you know, and that, yeah. that's the kind of thing. It's and it's probably always going to be easier to get a band like us or Warbringer to kind of come over than it is to bring Overkill or someone because, you know, yeah. a lot of older bands, you know, they've been around the block and they don't have as much as you said, cancer bats. They just want to go and go and see the place and and have have mm -hmm. a bit of an adventure. So I think yeah. I think it is easier. Uh, with younger bands but as i said that's the crossover where it's it's more difficult to tell what what's the draw gonna be for a younger band compared to a more established name you know i think that's such a good point here you know uh because you know we we always talk as well uh sometimes it's very uh difficult to guess what would sell good in nepal you know the like bands were um necessarily you know pretty decent here um, we may not bring any crowd whatsoever in Nepal, you know, and that's, that's something also we find super challenging when we're trying to book the bands, you know, especially for the headliners. Because, you know, they would sometimes hear the, the, the agent would be like, oh, I'm going to tell you about this band because I know these bands are pretty decent and they are doing pretty well and well established here in the West, you know, and then, um, and then we, we, we find it difficult to make them understand, but in Nepal, like there's literally no following for that band in, in some regards as well, you know, so. But I can tell you this, Joe, though, like, if you, uh, if you guys, I hope you guys do, and, like, when you do, and if you do, when you come and start playing, and, like, when you do your shit, people will, people will lose it. The kids will lose it. They won't, they won't oh, be waiting for around sure, yeah. for it. And that, that is for sure. There are, there, are, there are no rules. There are nothing that holds them back. It's not like they won't be waiting for the headliner. <laughs> Whoever's, whoever gets to them early, they, these kids fucking lose their shit, and they'll go fucking crazy. And the bands will, like, feel like home, I think. That's a part about Nepal, you know, like, yeah. even if like 100 people might have only 100 people might know your music in 1500. But if if you're doing the right thing, if you're playing right, it'll be a massacre. It'll be it'll be awesome. That's for sure. That's great, man. In 2015, an earthquake hit Nepal. 10,000 people died and 22,000 people were injured and actually 100,000 lost their homes. Where were you when that happened, lads? Oh, uh, we, I, I would, both of us were in England, actually, like, uh, the day when we were in, in my previous flat apartment, we were, we were just, I think it was just you and me, right, Abhishek? Yeah, well, I, I yeah. stayed back because we had finished the, the show. It was like two days back, 
all of the band left and I was just staying back with him to hang for a week. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had just, we were so hungover that night. We had, we had partied somewhere and like two of, I was sleeping in this couch, obviously. Yeah. And then my girlfriend called me. It was like super early and uh, it was like, what, five in the morning or something here in UK. And she starts screaming and crying and yelling and I couldn't make any sense of it. And then it, the line cuts off for like an hour or something. And then I try calling everyone and there's no one we can contact. And then we see the news and that there's a massive earthquake. And yeah, dude, we were like, we freaked out for a while. Then I woke them up and it was just him and my, one of our other friends, Sujan, who also works in silence, the festival part of the team. And like, <clears throat> yeah, it was kind of, I think it was different experience being away from home. You know, if yeah. you were there and you felt it and you survived it, you'd have a sense of relief or be like, oh God, I made it. For us, it was like, we don't know what the fuck is happening out there. Yeah. Someone's saying something or like, is my mom alive? Is my dad alive? Is my girl? You have no idea what is going on. So yeah, we were like kind of like in that couch for 24 hours at least, just like sitting and trying to call, think of everyone we love and care about. Yeah, it was it was tough. That morning was pretty scary. You did something then. You decided to head down to what? Where was it? What park? London. Trafalgar Square. Oh, we went to Trafalgar Square. Yeah, that was just mm. a random thing. Like we, we were just like, "What do you want to?" Do? I think that's where, if you really think about it, Abhishek, that's where I think we figured maybe yes, what we're doing yeah. can be used in something else than just pursuing our own dreams of, you know, trying to play music, right? Because I think we figured or something, right? We, we took a guitar, right, yeah. we went to the Harrow Center, and then we were like, "Fuck this! We're not going to sit in this couch anymore." Whatever we, we went do, to, yeah, we, we did some session on Facebook. We just and people, put up that status and we left to Photographer Square. That's the last I think that's how the whole thing started, you know, because oh, we, we, oh, we, I was just saying, like, we have, like, I don't know, 20, 30,000, whatever followers then. I was saying, even if one person of people does that, there would be something, you know. Um, and let's see, you know, if people would like that, because we weren't sure if people would like yeah. the idea of, like, oh, you're a metal band, what are you talking about, sort of thing as well, you know. And we were just, okay, let's, let's just see, you know, even if 1% people comes up, that would be great. I just got lost in translation there. You decided to go busking, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just okay. decided to go and, like, ask, ask people, like, raise money. And we just got out of the house. We were tired of sitting in. And we just, like, put up a status on Facebook saying we'll be raising funds for whatever we can do from our side like for the victims there like because we the, the later and within 24 hours we got so much news like like this happened this happened this mm. so many dead this is destroyed this has gone down people are getting fucked up and all that stuff and we just like we're tired of that and we sort of went out of our space and like yeah we just i think there was a picture of us standing with a sign and like just sitting down and jamming on the guitar and the truffle goes oh, yeah. Remember? Oh, yeah that was pretty weird but and then we had like a bucket or something we're sitting in the bus just on the street trying to collect a few bucks you know because it was like thinking whatever whatever you, uh, can, whatever you know, can we did manage to raise like eight thousand dollars or something in like 12 days 10 days or a week that's incredible yeah yeah that was and yeah and and immediately we sent all that even before i reached to nepal our guys are already going into villages affected with food packages and everything they'd always started working because everyone was living in that parking lot where silent sad festival happened last year oh wow yeah and they were staying there on fence and so they were distributing rations and everything and they're packing up there because it's a friend's place so from there so they were going to places that were just sending them the money whatever was coming in 
And after like almost when the airport opened, I, I, I ran back home and obviously mm. I had his work and everything. And, then, and the money he raised, it helped build a school as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, no, we helped a school that was being built. We sent the money. Yeah. That was from the last show. That's okay. from the show. But uh, we helped 306 house families build, rebuild their houses with the money we raised from Metal for Nepal. Yeah, that's incredible. Summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when I went back after four years, they were still using the same sheets, the same roof of the house because the government has pro- promised them to give something to make the house, right? So we had given them the roof part of it, yeah. the CCI sheets and the building equipment. The government, government was supposed to give them the rest of it. They still had not received the second payment on it in four years. And they were just building on it using the same sheets. Fucking hell. It. I was like, yeah, wow. And did other bands from around the world help your cause as well? Oh yeah, like so many bands played metal for Nepal. I don't, I don't even remember. I think it happened everywhere: U.S., Boston, U.K. It was like an open platform. Anyone could do a show and call it metal for Nepal and just like send the money to the charity. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a really cool movement. It was started by this guy called Randy. Actually, he thought of the thing metal for Nepal. We they were doing the fundraiser, and he was like, mm-hmm. "We need help." He's a very good friend. We toured them. With, we toured with them. They're the Voice of Ruin in the past. Okay. So, props to those guys metal takes a very different shape and and definition in nepal by the sounds of it like you're taking metal beyond the norm of the long hair tattoos and stuff like that where do you think you can actually bring it as a band first of all you're promoting yourselves but you're also promoting a region that desperately needs aid i suppose first of all um whatever about the the metal community in there but how far can you bring this guys do you think i well, think uh, that is a good question to be honest yeah i think we never saw like to me personally i was the kid in the classroom listening to that band and i was playing with those band last year with on the same festival that i had never dreamed of <laughs> since we brought it that far i think we can take it further you know to yeah. be honest if we can from a place like that growing up with the way like we grew up and i never truly believed and like so many amazing things happened like and have happened then i'm grateful for like a band being announced and download is not a big deal for a band from that region for when we were announced people here were like celebrating it like a fucking festival man it was like fuck yeah you know what i mean so there's a lot of spirit and i know it's funny it's in so many ways like why are you guys so happy you stoked about your place Dude, yeah, we have to be. We can't believe like this shit is happening to us. Mm-hmm. So it brought it this far. And if we're talking, if if you're here, if I'm here right now, I think we can take it as far as we push it. Yeah. To be honest. That's cool. What about you, Flower? Um, I do ask myself sometimes that, right? Like, is it like how far, you know, and how how impactful is this all gonna be like? Um, it's like. Because we, I think we're still young, right? Like we, we don't have kids, we don't, we are not married, and um, we don't have uh, significant responsibilities. Uh, most of the average people That's in this good. world would have, um, and, and, and in a way, so you could say we are pretty purposeless kind of human beings, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of sometimes I feel like if you take this off your equations, then you would be left with unknown, right? Like yeah. what what you would be left with sort of feeling. Um, but then you see like for for a country like nepal uh it's not even about uh you know how 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 far you want to go it's about uh, every 
life that you would be touched through this project it would be so significant you know what i mean so for me as long as we can stay relevant as long as we have the energy and and and, and the passion to do it um Honestly. you know we we want it to go however long it takes so of course like the the, the fire perhaps like has simmer down a bit over the years because of course we are still not 23 anymore but um but when we started uh like abhishek said it, this was not never a plan it was just a wild you know like when you hang out with your friends you just have imagine you're hanging out with the spider-man for example you know like those sort of like just a random imagination uh, is what we are living you know with the band and with the festival so mm-hmm. I, I see it can it can grow really far because the idea was to make Kathmandu this this new heavy metal capital of the world you know like we, we've thought like why can't it be like 60s you know like why can't it be like oh I want to go to Kathmandu not this time to just hang out and smoke some pot but this time to go and check out some heavy metal bands you know um, I just hope one day I don't know bands like Metallica will pick on that and they, I don't know they might find it you know what playing Kathmandu before we retire sounds like probably a good idea yeah, something like that would happen you know i don't know because on that map something something like yeah. that I, that's just my gut feeling right something major is going to happen because uh from just a festival perspective i don't think we would ever be able to host band of a metallica in nepal let's just be honest right but i still do believe in miracles sometimes you know so i i have a feeling something mad like something that's going to happen and perhaps it's going to probably you know open us into a new a uh, new paradigm, I don't know, but we're yeah, we, like we're not here for just today, you know, we're going we're gonna to be here for however long we, you know, we, we, it takes really. Joe, what do you think? I'm going to ask uh, you guys, is is there like a lineage of this kind of thing in uh, in Kathmandu? Like, did, did, was there any rock bands who ever came there in the 70s or anything, or did you guys have any homegrown kind of rock music? Like, nothing at all, no? We had a no. We had a yeah. That's the favorite story. So, so yeah, yeah, we have a story like that. Jimi Hendrix came in the '60s and he wrote "Purple Haze" when he was smoking "Purple Haze" in up in Mustang. And, and there's a hotel, dude. You gotta believe me. And there's but we've been there, right? Yeah. We, we went there. So they, this is like a big story. So like "Purple Haze" grows naturally in Nepal. So like we are really good with weed. All right, this country is really good with making good weed and like alcohol and like, yeah. <laughs> so apparently Jimmy was there smoking in Freak Street in Kathmandu. We have a place called Freak Street where it's all about smoking and like hanging out where they used to sell marijuana, openly black hash, all that stuff. And so he went with a couple of porters and went off to Mustang and stayed there. And that's apparently where you smoke purple haze. That's where you actually get it, the natural energy smoking. He wrote the song and there's a hotel that was like, like people visit they that's like jimmy was here and since 1969 so either this dude fooled everyone like really nicely or like it, joe <laughs> we now know where we're going to stay man <laughs> and, and there's another guy called jimmy so he's the porter all right so he goes around every bar dancing every night he's like this dude who's like 70 years old was like moving and dancing at every club every night so he's like moshing alone dancing to every song and his name is jimmy so they call him jimmy because everyone knows that he, he claims that he was the one who reported jimmy hendrix's yeah jimmy only god knows that's a wild story. 
Yeah, when we were when we were growing up, there was um there was always lots of stories about how crazy good the hash was over yeah, in, the, yeah. in the Himalayas, and it, we we heard all of what was it? They kind of didn't have special balls or something. Like temple ball or something. Temple yeah. balls, yeah. Temple balls. Yeah, Joe, like, Joe, your your knowledge so never much, yeah. ceases to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> We make sure when you come to Nepal, we make sure. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I, like the, like, I like the sound of that hotel, Joe. I think that's the one, man. <laughs> and also, more importantly as well, as a band, how difficult is it to get good equipment out there? How do you get your equipment? Do you have to import it in? Or we'd say if you're even a young band coming through, what kind of equipment can a young band get? Is it all secondhand or? Uh, it's, uh, no, you can, you can get, you have stores, but it's like very middle range stuff. So like when I owned my first guitar, it was a Ibanez GIO model mm. that cost around $200. And that was a neck breaker for me. That was way overpriced to be ever owning. If you own a guitar that's not, I mean, India or China, you're like a serious musician. That's what it was like when I was, that means like, dude, you're investing so much money on a guitar. So yeah, now you have a quite a few stores that you can order stuff from. The internet is there, so you can ask that dealer. We we don't still don't have the access to order stuff from Sweetwaters. We don't even have Spotify. We don't have Spotify in the region. That's why our Spotify ranking as a solo, it's all YouTube and stuff, and mm -hmm. Facebook. So because the credit card thing doesn't yeah. work from Nepal, you can't trade with other countries still. So yeah, you have this guy who has an account somewhere. So now you can manage it if you want it, if you have the money for it. But usually kids, they all go for the middle range stuff, the very starter stuff, like two, three hundred dollar guitars, a few hundred dollar drum kit. That's also if you're like super serious. Otherwise yeah. you buy cheap stuff like Chinese or rip off Indian stuff just for like a few grand. So when you go on But tour, you do have the access to it if you really want it. And you have some but when you go right. on tour, how difficult is it? You, you know, I presume you go to, say, if you're in Australia or if you're in America, you have to hit some music shops. And then what's the temptation like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, there is, man. Oh, my God. Like, my guitar player is insane. And we all, and my, our sound guy is a geek. So he's like, this, this, that. And like, well, obviously, like, no one, like, my guitar player, he can buy shit. Like the rest of us, we like we can't afford any of that. So we carry everything from home, and the only thing we're not allowed to carry are our clothes. So we have like a limited amount of merch because we can't. Uh, the cargo charges on the plane are so high when you travel from Nepal to like when you fly towards Gulf or when you cross that. We have to cross the Gulf to come to any part of the West. It's super expensive. It's like ten dollars a kilo. Uh -huh. So we get like 30 kilos. So we have to fit all our equipment, all our merch in that space. So what you don't get to bring is the personal stuff. So just like five underwears and like two t-shirts and one jeans. That's it for like a month. So, but yeah, when we go there, it's pretty exciting. But we manage. Like, we manage. We're more than happy to be, be able to do that. Jesus, that's, that's another side of it as well, Joe. Bring in the merch. Smell yeah. of you don't have that problem, <laughs> Jody, in relation. Um, you know what? It, we found that the further away from home you go in terms of merchandise and stuff, the best thing usually to do is to try and get it printed, you know, over there and stuff. When um, anytime we've been to South America or something, we always try and get someone locally to make it, because basically the problem is that the price that it costs to produce it 
you know, in UK or Euros yeah. or anything like that is so much above what people are making. So it's too expensive. Whereas if we get the t-shirts made in Brazil, it's around the same price mm-hmm. that people can afford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. I know, yeah. Like I said, it takes us like, took us forever to learn all that kind of stuff. We were still carrying merch with a bag of merch. The first time when we went yeah. to London, I was like, I had like a bag. I looked like a beggar. I was like, like trash, grabbing trash, remember? And trying <laughs> to get it through the, under, like the tunnels of London, like through the subway. So we had like a hundred or some t-shirts in the back. And I was like, so it's cheap to print it in the balance. And so we make more money uh, that way either. But like now we've really realized that we need to start doing stuff. So like even these Metal from Nepal t-shirts, they are printed in UK now. Like I said, it's all learning this. Like there was no one, like you told us now, like so similarly, just like you, someone told us, dude, you guys are doing something fucking stupid. You can just print it here. You know what I mean? Like. So otherwise, it's, yeah. It's that way every band, you know, the first few tours you ever do, you know. Is this a, last year, was it the first time that you guys had been to Europe? Yeah. Uh, not really, but like, no. I think last year was like super seriously what we toured, like a lot of shows. Last year yeah. was the prime for sure, wasn't it? Prime, yeah. Yeah, you played Bloodstock in 2018. Yeah, yeah. We did a few tours. We did Europe with uh, Voice of Void in 2015. We've been touring for a while, but like not this intensely until last year mm. yeah there wasn't yeah. was it a, so last year was the one where we toured with uh cancer bass wasn't it yeah right so we did the uk tour and then we played download europe, and then we did uk we did the europe 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 again we did europe twice with betraying the martyrs and cancer cancer bats so yeah so, yeah you could say this is the most uh last yeah, year was the most prime prime time for the time yeah dude and what about it. new material? Avishek, have we yeah. got? Are you working on new material? We had uh, we to be honest, we got uh, this year was supposed to be the big year. We toured so much last year, and uh, we had Japan. We were already booked for Hammersonic with Slipknot and Tribute and everyone already. And we had China. We had Thailand. We we're doing the Asian thing, and then we're supposed to do do the album launch, do the festival. It's everything is written, everything is recorded. But just for us, a band like us, we release an album now and it just disappears. Mm, and then exactly. we don't get to tour it in the middle of this. It, it, you know, it didn't make sense. And like, we just had like tiny bit of work, just the ethnic instruments and some samplings that we were doing, like some chant incantations and something that I was recording with monks and stuff that was left. But like pretty much everything was done. We had already mixed and mastered two of the songs and released it as singles. We're supposed to release a follow-up now, but uh, I think we sort of lost our way, got lost in the whole pandemic, and you know, it hit us pretty hard, man. And like we didn't, we didn't know what to do. Everything got canceled, and it's not like we get, we won't get to have the momentum that took us five years, six, seven years to get this momentum. We won't get it again. We want to do it right. Like it's very tough for us. So we thought we would do what we can do right now, and. We went back to work. We have the music. It's ready, and like we're just waiting for the right time to release it. We just don't feel like this is the right time to release now for us, yeah. especially. Yeah, he and thousands of other bands is is fucking. Yeah, exactly. I think so. Yeah, so, you're yeah. releasing it into, as I like saying, a void. You know, just a void where you know you can't do anything. You can't back it up. So just hold on to it. I suppose a lot of a lot of bands. Just yeah, so a lot of bands are just holding on to it. How long? How long is it going to yeah, last? Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. So. You're you're, you're going to, Joe. You're going to release material this week, isn't it? 
Well, we have a single out on Wednesday and then an album in oh, December. Wow. But, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a weird one because it, it's, yeah, it's very easy to get lost in the in the run. Um, but then we're also kind of thinking because so many of the festivals are booked up for next summer and, you know, because so many bands, are, like bigger bands are recording, you know, at the moment, we're thinking that next year is going to be really busy anyway. So we're thinking it's a better time maybe later on this year to have yeah. an album out than to leave it and wait because for all we know you know certainly there's some countries that are going to recover from it a lot quicker than others um but realistically for a band like for even festivals if america is still closed down or maybe germany it means that a lot of these bands that come to make the festivals happen won't be able to play Mm -hmm. you know so and that's the the kind of issue that a lot of festivals will have to look at is can they can they do the festival with no American bands, you know, or is it is it financially viable for a band to come to Europe, but not to play in Germany or not to play in some other country that's still in yeah. lockdown, you know? Yeah. So we don't know. It's just such a it's a hard it's a hard kind of station. But you know, our record company want us to make another album next year. So I think the idea is we'll bring a record out in December, and then have another one out the next next December to be you know, kind of ready to go back on tour when oh, we can. That's cool. Yeah, we're, we are not even, we've not even been able to, now that we start even working with Nepal, Letter of Nepal, we've not even been able to get there completely mentally as well. You know, we've all been focused on something completely different and like, uh, it's very, we're all on our survival instincts right now. It's very basic, you know, like save your mom, save your dad and like it can, like ration your foods and you know see your neighbors like you can see people dying so it's like very basic and like we have i have been getting some ideas i've been talking like i think this is the time probably we could love doing collaborations or something like that because everything is so virtual right now right so Mm -hmm. i think yeah i think this is the time to do stuff like that so that is what is going on in my mind we have the record but there are songs that we are writing you know we've been written and so we could work with different artists, you know, even like, yeah, we could work with you. We could grow if you agree, like, or you could have a friend who could, we could, you know, like connect. Cause right now we're all in the same field. No one's doing festivals, anything. Yeah. So yeah, from that perspective, we're thinking of like doing something maybe in the coming month or some, um, at least release a single or something a month or two. Because it, it's something that you've seen like a whole bunch of bands doing in the last say two or three months these quarantine covers you know i guess metallica did blackened at the start right but there's been all the sod guys and you know Mm -hmm. etc etc doing them. so i think it's really like it'd be cool to see a lot more bands doing that you know this guy in this country country, i think that's that would be like fans can work together and help and that is ultimately what i would like to see from metal point about like write some songs with people from everywhere like put friends and bands and then like we can put it up and the money can go there people can just go that would also bring more exposure right now we have artists who work for metal for nepal tattoo artists who have just started incorporating filmmakers and vloggers who go and do their part who are like popular filmmakers and vloggers so it's like an open platform in the end the, I think the final thing is to do is to make some metal music and like mm. put it up there you know that would be super cool that, that me, is why we're all here yeah it's true yeah. it's true metal and our it's like a brotherhood and sisterhood. Um, so 
how can people that will be listening to this or watching to this, how can they contribute to Metal for Nepal? Is there a Facebook or is there a website or maybe you can answer that, Flower? Yeah, yeah sure. Thank you. Um, so we have a website. Uh, it's uh, metalfornepal.org. Um, you know, you can find it on every social handles like Facebook and mm -hmm. Instagram as well. Um, just to just to add on to to you know what Abhishek was saying about the the concept of metal for Nepal. So we 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 genuinely felt like what it what it would be for artists to kind of actually use art, you know, and music to um, you know serve humanity in a way, right? Because um, what we what you know the people who would go and check out the website perhaps they would get what i mean by that so we have kind of uh, collaborated with a lot of like you know musicians and all you know the tattoo artists and you know from all across the world and um so we have like a lot of cool merch like this you know um some some really dope ass designs is out there and they all are donated by the artist right so we're using their art um, you know, monetizing it in the name, like in the merch. So when people are donating, there's like more than just a good feel they get back. You know, you can buy a, a cool t-shirt designed by, you know, artists. And we have only few limited, you know, stuff on there. So the idea is to like, you can check out the work we we're doing, of course, you know, if you feel like this is something important, um, you know, there is a very straightforward process to how to donate you know if you want to donate straight away there if you want to buy something like t-shirts um, there are a wide range of uh, paintings and um, you know arts donated by all these crazy musicians and artists from across the world so you can pick anything you want to buy from there and all the you know uh, proceed that you basically paid will go to the cause so um, it is uh, slightly unique in that regard than any other conventional charity settings you know here you you buy things and you're helping people you know so um, if you can please go and check out there um, there's a lot of things we've done since um, the beginning of April uh, there's tons of information about you know the work we've done the, the partner agencies we have partnered with so, you know in the time and also our future vision of where we would like this you know project to go ahead because um, like you said Richard in the beginning how where do you see this going um, this was almost like a reactive response to what happened there because we start seeing people not having access to food and water you know we've never seen anything like that in Nepal as well you know so we yeah. were just like sure we need to do something about it but now uh, seeing how this global middle community and the arts community coming together uh, we, it, it kind of felt like, you know what, Nepal had so many holes, you know, of problems, right? So if you stick this one, there would be so many else that we could do. So the idea is to continue this in the future as well, to be able to help as many people as possible. So, you know, look into the website, you get to see, you know, much more in-depth information. And if you see Instagram, you can see all the crazy artists who have been on board so far, you know, and... Uh, um, this one is for Joe as well. If anybody, yeah. you know, in your world, like, you know, you know, any musicians, all we are asking them is just to send us a play Very along, cool, um, play through video of yeah. one of their songs they, they, they want to do, you know, and just that way, uh, the idea is to kind of, of course, let your fan know what we're doing and, you know, in, in, in and ourselves, like raise awareness about the work we're doing. So, yeah, any sort of people who wants to you know collaborate be a part of it oh. you know it's, a, it's an open platform we will respect and invite everybody on board okay. Abhishek 
how serious is it out there at the moment? It is right now growing more than ever. It's like it's uh, they started the lockdown when there was one person who had Corona. So we went into lockdown for almost more than 54 days when there were like four or five cases. Then they opened up and then they started bringing people in from the border with nothing, no rules. And the people were suffering. There was, there was nothing the government didn't have. They just thought they could wait it out, you know. They had all this funding that came in and they thought they could just keep it for themselves, wait the shit out. You know, now it's getting worse every day. Thousands of cases coming up every day in the city, all over the country. Yeah, the people are not dying, to be honest. I, I don't know what this is. This is really weird. I don't know if it's because we're used to all the dirt and all the viruses always getting sick or something. But like, but a lot of people getting infected. The main problem is the economic crisis. It's definitely the humanitarian problem we're suffering. We're daily wage workers. We're a tourist country. There are no tourists. There's no flights. Nobody's coming in. It is killing people it is killing businesses the suicide rates are way higher than the corona rate people dying so you can see the the whole game has changed it's fear and it's depression that's coming to play and um so it's really sad and like people who just go to work drive a rickshaw just like carry 10 10 packets of cement every day to work they're not getting to do that and they're not being able to feed their little kid i'm like people don't live a high life here obviously you know but that is missing. The people are starting to starve, which has never happened in this country, people. And and that is what we're trying to do from outside. But it is it is it's a big problem, and I don't see it going away anytime soon, to be honest. You know, we can we can do our best on our side and um, try and bring your message further. Thank you. Thank you. As a nation, Ireland, we've always been really good for rallying around. So hopefully, I can get and Joe as well yeah. can get as many Irish metal fans on board with this and try and share it around and raise the awareness for you as well for metal loving the ball thank, thank you guys you. this really means That's a lot mm. and this is the most we can like this is all it takes you know like like if Joe puts a play for you invite us to our show as well we're, this is all we expected just like raising awareness and it's tough for everyone right now because this it's not like the earthquake it didn't just happen to us. Yeah. It happened to everyone. It's just happening on different scale. So it's just, I think it's just what I can do is myself, what you can do, what you're going through. You know what I mean? It's just about like holding each other, having each other's back. So yeah. that's the only way to get out of it, like doing your small part in it. So thank yeah. you guys. This means a lot to us. Yeah. So course, let's, yeah. Let's, let's see if uh, the metal community can help from our side anyway. Avishek, thank you for joining us on the show and regards to all your underside brothers. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Our, thank you so much as well, man. Thank you so much, Richie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you ever so much for for organizing all this. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to know you here. I actually checked out your band as well and it's like pretty dope. <laughs> so we, we will we'll talk about it at some other point apart from this. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, man. Um, it's it's a it's a really an honor to be here, you know, um, to be able to just talk about things we do, and we you know it, it's so cool. This is the first time ever we actually we both wear art together in something, you know, because it's always yeah. been nonstop brainstorm. We were like dog and cats. We fight most of the time, so it was so nice to have. I don't know how many hours was it, and an hour, two hours of not fighting and just being able to listen and not not bark at each other is is, is a, is a, is a, is a <laughs> blessing so thank you so much for that richie for Good that back 
you know what? Right. Like the, one of the one of the cool things about this man is like everybody here is geographically like in a different country, I guess. You know, and mm. it's so cool yeah. having people from different parts of the world all talking and trying to work on, as you guys were saying earlier on, bring a bit of happiness to people's lives in some way, shape, or form. You know, mm. and that's what matters, right? That's exactly what it matters at the end of the day. So thank you, Richie, for that, man. And this sun is right in my face. I'm not trying to be any artist or anything like that. It just coming out to think right in my face. So your like, illuminated right. flower. <laughs> right in the process, <laughs> right on, mate. <laughs> all right, cool. So thanks again, lads, for joining the show. I'll put all the links in the episode down below. And um, hopefully, imagine that in 2021, when all this shit has blown over, we might actually meet in the Purple Haze Hotel. Yeah, we'll make that. I hope so. Showing all the best with the record, man. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, James. Yeah. Cheers, okay. lads. Yeah, Take care. Thank you. Good night, Good night, wherever you are. Take care, guys. Yeah. Ciao. Bye-bye. <laughs>